On this edition of the Deseret News Ute Insiders podcast, we look back on Utah's big 40-21 win at Stanford. We look ahead to the Pac-12 South showdown with Arizona at Rice-Eccles Stadium on Friday. And Coach Ron McBride joins us for our Utah by Five segment. That and more on the Deseret News Ute Insiders podcast. Hey, this is Bill Riley, play-by-play voice of the Utes and midday host on ESPN 700. You're listening to the Deseret News Utes Insiders podcast with Dirk Facer, Amy Donaldson, Mike Sorensen, and Trent Wood. Go Utes. Welcome to the show. This is Dirk Facer. I'm a 54-year-old Pisces. I like the movies (laughs) Fletch. I like the movie Vacation. Uh, When it comes to TV, I like Seinfeld and The Office. When it comes to eating, I like Crown Burger, Greek Suvaki, and the Grove Deli. Amy? I'm Amy Donaldson, and I hate Dirk Face. <laughs> <laughs> it's because he's a Pisces, right? It is. Asian I'm a Leo. Place. I eat everything in the jungle. <laughs> and Trent? I mean, I'm a Gemini, and I don't even know what it means, but I'm a Gemini. You're a twin. You just try to get along. Right? Uh, See? That's probably what it is. Isn't it ironic that the old man's the only one that shared his age with everybody? <laughs> oh, I t- everyone knows I'm 50. Fifth. Okay. I'm 29. Look at that. At least when you combine your ages, I'm not that much, uh, too <laughs> not much younger. Guys, let's talk football now. Please. The the coins in the air. <laughs> the pleasantries are over with. Uh, what, Utah obviously coming off a 40-21 win at Stanford, probably the most impressive game of the year. Probably. Uh, <laughs> offensively, defensively, and special teams, everybody contributed. Amy, what did you uh, take from that game? Was it just the mass contributions, or was there a certain aspect of the game that you liked? Um, well, I, th- I love that they ran the ball more, and they ran the ball more effectively. I thought, I, I thought every phase of the game worked, and they didn't have turnovers, and I think they, that was the game they wanted, and they did it after two straight losses, and it showed a little bit of mental resilience, and I think that's, that's really was, for me, the biggest question. Because do you start fighting with one another, do you start to unravel, or do you rally together, and do you come back stronger? Uh, Trent, what did you think? It was the fact that Bryce Love didn't play, was that a big factor in this game? I mean, it's easy to say that because he is a great running back. But against Utah, usually what he does is he doesn't run for a ton and then he breaks a big one. So it's right. not like it's just him pounding the ball every time. I don't know. I thought that game was kind of the perfect Utah game. I don't know how much better they could have played than they played in that game. They went on the road to a top-ranked team, beat them by almost 20 points. Like, you can't play much better than that. All right, now expanding on the offense a little bit, uh, Tyler Huntley said that they put it all together, and when they put it all together – they're pretty good. Here's what he had to say. What does that mean to you to feel like you can actually show what this offense is all about? Uh, it's just uh, we know that we could do it. We just got it's just a matter of us going out and doing it. And I felt like we did a good job of doing our job on Saturday. That's why we came out with it. How, how much do you try to to use the the criticism that people give you versus how much just as a natural player? People not gonna like what. Most people do all uh, everyday life, you know what I'm saying? So everybody going to have always something to say. So it's not really so who cares what somebody else got to say. All right. Well, it wasn't just all offense, obviously. The defense had a big thing. Obviously, the 100-yard interception return by Jalen Johnson. and Bradley and I was all over the field. They had some nice throwdowns. Um, Trent, yeah. what did you see? Do you think that 100-yarder was the, the headline act of the game or was there mass contributions? I mean, there were mass contributions, but that play 
won the game. I know that the game had a ton to go, but Stanford was driving. They were about to score a touchdown. To take it back for a touchdown, that just changed the momentum of the game completely. Well, especially because if you watched it live, you didn't know if he, if the if the throw goes farther into the end zone, Jalen's too too net too shallow, yeah. and right. it's a touchdown, right? So he gets. I mean, it just was the complete opposite of what your fear is at that moment, and so it was a huge mental momentum shift, I think, and it earned him Defensive Player of the Week honors. So it did, you know. And the other thing to remember on that game too is uh, the fact that uh, Bradley and I and the guys up front were putting a lot of pressure. On Costello and uh, yeah, not just them. Chase Hansen as well, right? Chase Hansen and and then you know, but on that play, like if you watched it again, he, he they it wasn't really. I mean, there was pressure, but it wasn't like insane. The pocket wasn't collapsing. Right, more anticipated pressure. There. Yeah, it was just it was just a great read by Jalen. What did you guys think? Bradley and I obviously had some monster <laughs> hits. A throw down, I think. I, I like the MMA the throwdowns. Yeah. yeah, spun the guy like a top. And talking to Kyle Whittingham yesterday, he compared it to Captain Insano from Waterboy fame. <laughs> the the throwdown, but uh, had a chance to catch up with Bradley and I. And here's what uh, his thoughts were on having a big night with sacks. How much fun was it for you to be all over the field against Stanford? That. Uh, uh, it, was, it was very fun. I feel like our whole defense as a whole had fun, so not just me. Yeah, what worked against them? Because obviously with Bryce Love not playing, you kind of, mm-hmm. kind of a curveball at the end there, wasn't it? Or did yeah. you kind of anticipate it? Well, what worked best for us is just that we could we turn them into a one-dimensional team. Like, we took away the run, so um, it was pretty straightforward forward from there that we knew they were going to start turning to the pass in the second half. What about the sacks you've had this year? That's a, That's got to be... Ultimate fun for a deep lineman, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, sacks are always always uh, fun to get, and uh, they're like the the result of everything that that you do as a defensive end, especially. And so, I mean, it, it, it's good when it comes. So hopefully, it, still, it keeps coming. All right, there are other positives in the game as well. Matt Gay, earning special teams player of the week from the Pac-12, scored 16 points, four for four field goals, made all of his extra points. He obviously came through. Um, what are some other positive takeaways, you think? Because obviously we talk about the interception return, the field goals, the offense. Anything else? Is it just maybe a big picture thing? I mean, I think one thing that people glossed over a little bit was the offense didn't punt the ball at all. They, put, they had two punts the entire game. They got points. Even if it was just field goals, they scored points almost every drive, which they have not done at all this year. I mean, what do you think? Um, I think that the – receivers showing up and Huntley throwing showing he could throw um it just it just makes people respect that aspect of the game right and so I think going forward it just makes them a little tougher to prepare for and to know they have that potential and that capability yeah you know Huntley completed 17 of 21 passes so yeah. the receiving core obviously stepped up you know Zach Moss 160 yards rushing as you mentioned earlier the ground game was there yeah and I I talked to Samson Nakua about that uh big long pass he had when Huntley was on one foot right and I'm watching it on TV because I didn't get to travel but uh he says he could see him struggling and trying to stand he saw the guy go past him and he's thinking oh no and then all he, he said all he thought was I better catch this pass <laughs> yeah it's well, amazing though that over 16 quarters of time had passed between touchdown passes by the Utes that 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 I did not know until after the pass I mean it's a long time 
That is, you know, I talked to Guy Holiday about it, and he said he doesn't keep track because all he wants to do is score touchdowns and win football games. Lies. But that is I quite don't that. a gap, wasn't it? <laughs> you know, the receiving core has been kind of uh, much maligned this year, obviously. And Damari Simpkins, the self-proclaimed leader of the group, had some interesting things to say about how they fixed things and shored things up in that aspect. Do you feel like some of the fans were kind of getting frustrated with the team, kind of, uh, you know, saying some things maybe got you guys down? Do you feel like this this win here proves that you guys can still do it? Uh, I feel like they were getting frustrated. Hell, we was getting frustrated ourselves. So, and I expected that. And like I told you know, um I put it on myself because as a receiver group, as our group, we wasn't, you know, doing what we were supposed to do. We were the weak lead, and as the leader of the group, uh, I just put it on myself. And like I said, we went into last week practice, practice hard, uh, talked to the group, and said we got to pick it up some more. Uh, we got to do more. CLC got to make more plays. Myself, I got to make more plays. Cubby, you got to do more. Even when you're doing it a lot, but you got to do more. All right, if the weakest link was Utah's receiving core, it'll be interesting to see what the weakest link might be when they face Arizona and quarterback Khalil Tate. You know, last year he rushed for over 1,400 yards. This year I think he has 109 coming into this game. They're obviously using him in a different way. Trent, what's your breakdown of Arizona? I mean, they've gotten better. That's clear with how they've played. They've gotten some wins under their belt. They're figuring out how to play under Kevin Sumlin. I don't know if they're a good team yet, but they are better than they were at the beginning. Yeah, they've won three of their last four and seem to be playing better. Amy, are they peaking at the right time or with Kevin <sighs> Sumlin the first year? I don't a lot know of question that, marks. I think everyone's hoping, at least if you're an Arizona fan, you're you're hoping this is not the peak. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think you're at least trending in the right direction, and I think that's where Utah's at. So it'll be interesting to see two teams who've struggled but had to kind of find their way through that. Like, how do they how do they match up against one another? Did you guys coming into the season, a lot of people, Arizona was kind of a sexy pick to be a challenger to USC and Utah in the South. Did you see it that way, Trent? I mean, it was tempting to because Khalil Tate was so good last year and Kevin Sumlin had success at Texas A&M. I think expectations got a little too high too fast. That's clear that that happened. See, I never talk about Kool-Aid. That is not Kool-Aid I ever partook from. So I did not buy the Khalil Tate talk. Um, I didn't understand the love affair. I, I think he's a great player. I don't think – I mean, I think he's a good player. I don't think he's a great player. And I did not understand uh, the preseason hype, although I was willing to acknowledge that I don't know the most about uh, Arizona and that I, I thought maybe it's just something I didn't know and I didn't see. So I have not been surprised. Um, I felt a little bit validated that, oh, he wasn't as good as everyone said he was. But this happens every year. For sure. There's guys they are in love with, and you always go, what, that guy? And especially being at a school like Utah, covering Utah, and you think, I know kids on this team that are better athletes, right? Maybe they don't have the same opportunity or they're not showcased the same way or they're not in the same system that allows them to shine. So I don't know. And I just never – so I th- that's why I think Utah will win this weekend. You know, there's been a lot of secrecy perhaps in Tucson with Khalil Tate because obviously there's reports of a twisted ankle and that that's affected mm-hmm. him. And the severity might have something to do with the fact that his – you know, rushing numbers are so drastically different this year. Do you guys buy into that, or is it the coach not trying to figure, trying to figure out how to use Tate, or is Tate perhaps maybe not 100% and he has to rely on his arm rather than his legs this year? Because when he's a, a running quarterback and mobile like he was, you know, it's hard to argue that he wasn't one of the best in the nation. 
I think it goes back to one of our first podcasts where we had Scott Mitchell as a guest, and he talked about it, and Johnny Manziel with under Kevin Sumlin wasn't a running quarterback. Mm -hmm. He scrambled well, but he was a throwing quarterback. Kevin Sumlin doesn't have experience with running quarterbacks, so I think it was just miss expectations experience or success <laughs> i mean he had success yeah, yeah. in houston with passing quarterbacks and he had yeah. success with johnny manziel with the throwing quarterback with throwing but that's what i'm saying but he hasn't ever really that hasn't ever ever really been his mo so i think that's maybe the struggle then is i i think you saw it a little bit when tyler huntley wasn't running yeah right, right. You, when you when you tell a guy to play a way that his brain body and heart are not sort of designed and instinctually want to run then you might not get his best, even his best throwing, right? The best aspect that you want to use. Is the fact that Arizona's won three of their last four maybe delaying that light bulb to go on and say, wait, Tate needs to be running the ball? Or are they saying now, hey, we're winning the way we're doing it? Does the light bulb have to come on? I don't, I don't know if that has it's to be amazing. a thing. It does, but obviously it does. I mean, <laughs> if they make a bowl game, I don't know if the light bulb ever has to come on that they have to turn him loose as a runner. I remember asking Coach Whittingham this question when they were winning a couple of years ago. Is it, is it easier to make corrections during a win streak or during a losing streak? And it's always easier to fix things and deal with problems when you're losing. When you're winning, it's, you have to convince people that there's still room for improvement or there's still things that need addressing because winning masks a lot of problems. And that's where I think Arizona's at. I hope that's not where Utah is. Yeah, well, the Utes, obviously, this will be game six. Mm -hmm. uh, they're entering the midway mark of the season. Have there been any, uh, let's talk about pleasant surprises you've seen through the first five games. Amy? Pleasant surprises. Um, no, I mean, I think I I had hoped Samson Nakua would have a breakout earlier. So ha seeing him catch that, that touchdown pass was pretty fun. Um, I don't know that I was surprised by anything. I was... My surprises have been unpleasant surprises. I was one that thought they should have won at least one of the games that they lost. And, I, you know, the Washington State game, I thought they would easily win. And so I, 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 I've been perplexed as to what their trouble is and why they couldn't work it out sooner. Well, consequently, it was the Stanford game a game that you thought they'd lose and they ended up winning? Does that I, negate I the that. Washington State? I mean, No, I think when I saw when they lost to Washington State, especially the way they did, I thought, okay, now it's going to unravel. Now, whatever's happening, it's not, it's, we were seeing different things in fall camp that, and so I thought there must be something going on emotionally or mentally that we don't have access to, that we don't know about. And so it's going to unravel a little bit more if it ever comes around. I felt like some of the November skids they've had where you just keep thinking, okay, when will they figure this out and come back? But I, I, that's why it was – to me the Stanford game was such a – it wasn't a relief. It was a, it was a kind of a nice thing to see people play to their potential. Grant, what do you think? I think – I mean the defense has obviously been great all year, but I think the defensive line has been more – improved than people kind of assumed they were going to be people expected the secondary to do well people expected the linebackers to do well obviously they expected the d-line to do well but i think they've been better than people might have thought coming into the season and i mean unpleasant surprises the win over stanford was great and i think it's a great thing to take from and most of the team played incredibly well i'm hesitant to say that they can improve dramatically off of that win because People take steps back while people take steps forward. It's really hard to have a game where everybody plays well together. I think it showed what Utah can be, but I also think you can't ignore the previous games where they just weren't that good. 
right. You know, we're talking about pleasant surprises. You know, I got to throw the tight ends in there. They've been more involved than I thought they would. Britton Covey's been a pleasant surprise to me because uh, when I went on my mission, I came back a little <laughs> bit chubbier and a little bit slower. And that I kid love seems that you're to... likening yourself to Britton Covey. <laughs> They're basically <laughs> the same we person. We both went on missions. That's where it ends. But the uh, fact is, is, he may be faster now than he was before he left. Well, see, I have the advantage of having covered him since he was 14. <laughs> and I, I know what he did to get ready to go to the U, and I knew what he was doing in the summer to get ready. But even back in spring, I was interviewed on the radio, and I, I remember saying, I don't understand why you don't want to – oh, don't – they were saying, don't put this pressure on Kavi. Don't, don't expect this from him right off his mission because coming off a mission is so difficult. And I think that we've seen guys come back, though, and if they're in decent shape and they are committed, he had the whole summer to work on, you know, specific things he was already doing in that. He didn't go to – he didn't participate in spring camp because he was, I think, and I know, working with private coaches and getting ready to play. And, the, and he's a competitor. And he did come back ready. He's obviously making a huge impact. Uh, some other guys, I was thinking on the defensive end, you know, Chase Hansen maintaining his health has been huge for yeah. the Utes. Yeah. You know, that and guy, that's not really a surprise, like a, but it's so nice to see yeah, somebody Yeah, maybe it's a play. surprise he's staying healthy more yeah. than what he's doing on the field. And then I think Bradley and I is living up to the hype, which mm-hmm. is, uh, you can argue that's a pleasant surprise, but it was, a lot was expected of him, but yeah. he's living up to that. And even a guy like Cody Barton, you know, who everyone thought that, you know, Francis Bernard and other people were going to come in and take his job. They haven't done that. He's I don't really know who those putting, people were. Yeah. <laughs> there were people, though. There but, were people, yeah. There were. I did hear that. I saw it on Twitter. But I just remember being at practice. I think you and I talked about this. Like, I didn't even think Francis Bernard was going to break into the starting lineup. I, I thought I, if you look at the speed Utah had and you look at how strong those guys were as players, I just didn't see where he was going to play. I was shocked that he got into the game against Stanford, though. I don't know for how many plays, but he made a tackle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, and Cody Barton's been putting up big numbers, and he and Chase Hansen have a great uh, competitive relationship with each other. They try to one tries to do the best, and that you know that's that's happened throughout the time with Utah. They've always had a couple guys that are into the. Who, keep I'm keep get, the score. Oh, they tell it. Yeah, they keep and their And I own think time. everyone's having a competitive thing with Cody Barton. Yeah. That's what I love about Cody. He's he's a, a, every but there's if there's a way to turn it into a contest or a competition, he's doing it. I mean, fans won't know this, but literally every interview I've had with another linebacker, Cody Barton jumps in and tries to take over the interview. It's not just linebackers. And with other players, too. He torments receivers. But also, you have to remember, Cody is a guy, and I actually wrote about him. Uh, One of my favorite subjects is the Barton family. Um, Their their daughter plays volleyball. Can you do a Barton Brothers feature? (laughs) (laughs) But but is that he didn't get many offers. Meanwhile, Jackson Barton is getting recruited by everybody. And so he sort of has had, you know, this sort of – little brother syndrome his whole football career right it, it, where, where it counts in high school and, and college and he's just used it to his his advantage and one thing that i love about him is i always ask athletes like how do they deal with adversity how do you deal with a tough time or a stretch where you don't want to work out or you don't want to practice or you don't want to watch film and he's like he just looked at me like i was insane and he's like i've never had one of those days yeah. and, and i think that's what separates a person like him who's turned himself into a an amazing player, and someone like me who's never going to be better than average because I have those days. You are better than average, Amy. Yeah. Especially on the football field. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, if I'm playing against you guys, for sure. We uh, <laughs> um, wrap this segment up. Any big areas of concern going into the last six games? Obviously, they need a couple more victories to be bowl eligible, but the prize they want is that Pac-12 South title. Mm-hmm. Is that still within grasp, even with two losses already? 
I think that is very dependent on what happens with Colorado. I mean, it's absolutely dependent on what happens with Colorado. Yeah. So if Colorado can take a hit, then maybe. But I, if if Dirk's right and then we're drinking Kool-Aid, then, You're drinking you know. Kool-Aid. Ralph so we'll Kool-Aid. see. We'll see what happens with Colorado. But I, I think the biggest thing for Utah is if Zach Moss stays healthy. If Zach Moss stays healthy, I think they 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 have a shot at – if not, if Colorado does take a loss, then then they have a shot at that title. If not, they're still going to finish really well, and they'll have a great season. I noticed neither of you mentioned USC. You think they're out of it? Well, we'll see this weekend. I mean, they were they were the projected favorites to win the division going in. Again, not I didn't see that. I think every year they love USC though. USC is every year somebody's because they get such talent. But you have to remember you have to put all those pieces together into a cohesive unit, and that doesn't always happen at USC. Uh, you guys ready for uh, another half of football? Yeah. Yes. We'll get chicken please, next. Please, sir, may I have Check another? Check out next week, guys. We're going to kind of look at, the, at things at the break, and obviously that's the midway mark for the youths, but they're heading into that. Pleasant surprises, concerns, anything else on the matter? I just think, I think the one thing that could be an advantage to Utah, obviously, I think of these two games that they have at home, they're both against division rivals, against two teams that are projected to contend with them for the South title in Arizona and USC. If Utah can get these two wins, I think they're in really good shape. You're not wrong. My only concern is that there's no barbecue before the game. I'm with you. Okay, <laughs> in addition to midseason, it is also campaign season, and I'm super excited. Our guest picker today is Shireen Gorbani, who is the Associate Director of Communications at the U. Also... Uh, candidate for the second congressional district, and uh, welcome. That's right. Thank you so much for having me. And I, she also brought her Utah pom pom and her Utah number one. You must be a Utah fan. So I'm a Utah fan. I also have to say I'm just a fan of being a fan. So when I was in high school, I started a pep club so I could be the president. Wow. <laughs> See, there's a resourceful woman Leadership. right there. I was a mascot. <laughs> it's a true story. <laughs> Did you ever lose your head doing a flick, though? No, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, let's, uh, I don't know, Dirk, do you want to jump in here first with UCLA at Cal? Sure. Let's go through, as we do each week, Pac-12 South Pickums. Let's start with that UCLA at Cal game. Uh, UCLA is showing signs of improvement. They gave the Huskies a pretty good game this week. I'm going to take them to beat Cal this week. Dang it, Dirk. To my thunder. He, that's what he does. I was going to pick UCLA, and I'll still do it. Okay, then I'm going to pick Cal. Because I, I do think this is one that could go either way. Yeah. I, I agree that UCLA looked a little bit better, but I, I still like Cal. So so as a person who has been a mascot, i got to go with the mascot I like better, and I like big wild things. <laughs> so um, I'm going to go with Cal because I like bears, and I like our public lands. There you go. Yeah, there you go. I think it's a good mascot. I agree with you. Uh, another one, uh, this is a big one, obviously, because it involves two teams from the division, Colorado at USC. I'm not drinking the Colorado Kool-Aid. I'm going to go with USC. I'm going to drink the Kool-Aid this week. Yes. I'm going to pick Colorado <laughs> to win the game. I think they're going to surprise people. Yes. Well, it converted you that last week. You win, did. Right? <laughs> I mean, I picked them wrong last week. So I am, I'm totally down with the Kool-Aid in Colorado. I've, I've loved watching them. I think they're a fun team to watch, and I picked them again. So I'm also Colorado on this. So. <laughs> I stand alone. Dirk is all by himself. <laughs> yes. Well, that's how Centerville people are. We stand alone. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, do the big one now. Arizona, Utah. 
It's Friday night game, obviously, going head-to-head with the preps this week. Uh, I like the Utes to win this one by two touchdowns. Trent? Yeah, I think Utah's going to win. I think it's going to be probably 10-point swing. I think it's going to be closer than two touchdowns, but not too close. I went Utah 30. I actually picked an actual score. Ooh, we're going to hold 30 to, to 14. That's my score. That's my score. So I also went with a score. I'm going Utah, of course. Go Utes. Uh, 27-17. There you go. So 10. So uh, we're all sort of in the same ballpark. We think it's going to be a decisive win. Um, we have to weigh in, though. you got two ranked teams playing in the north uh, with number 7 Washington and number 17 Oregon. Just you don't have to pick, but, you know, that's a big game to watch. Well, let's pick. What the heck? You know, okay, let's do it. I, I'm going to go with the Huskies on this one. I am not sold on Oregon. Oregon and Colorado, to me, are uh, frauds. We'll see, see if they hold up. And I'm going to disagree with you again. I think Oregon's <laughs> pretty good. I think they're a good team. Oh, my gosh. The old man and the millennial are going to fight. <laughs> I oh I'm going with Washington. So I I, I in for two reasons. I want them to win because I want the Pac twelve to have a solid contender for the playoffs. That's already gone. Auburn's yeah. bad. Do you think <laughs> Well I'm going with Washington anyway. I feel like let's just do an even split. I'll go with the Ducks. Thank there you. you. There we go. Well, all worked out. Well, Shane, we appreciate you joining us this well, week. Good luck in the election. Hey, thank you. Um, ballots are dropping. Yeah. I, do, I did want to say, do you have anything coming up this week? Oh, yeah, I do. So uh, in the very short term, we've got two town halls coming up. Okay. Um, October 18th, which is a Thursday, and then October 22nd, a Monday. Both are at 630 at the Public Library. The first one's going to be on health care. So we're doing a town hall on health care. It's the number one issue I hear at the doors. So we're going to talk about my vision for the future of that. And then also on the 22nd, we're going to do kind of a, a joint presentation on Prop 2, um, which I know has had a lot of public conversation around it. But from a federal perspective, there's some big questions around everything from the classification of marijuana to uh, sentencing reform. So we'll be talking about, um, in particular, sentencing reform. So the 18th and the 22nd, both at 630 at the Public Library in Salt Lake City. And thank you for avoiding football days. So <laughs> cheers. We appreciate that. So thanks again for coming in. And uh, that will wrap up our picks. Happy to be here. Thanks. Hey, if you enjoy making picks like we do on the games each week, go to grid picks at deseretnews.com. Guess what time it is, guys? What time, time is it? It's time for Utah by Five. I'm Tom Barberi, and it's time for Utah by Five, where we catch up with the people who built the program we love. This week, Amy Donaldson catches up with Coach Ron McBride. How hard is it to you for you to watch and not be coaching nowadays? Well, depends on what game it is, you know, <laughs> who you're watching, because you get you get you get frustrated, you know, at times, and and then you get happy at other times, and. Mm-hmm. You see things that, that you think should be done that aren't done or vice versa, you know. So, it's, yeah, it gets, especially if you get, if you're emotionally involved with the team, you know, and mm-hmm. with the yeah. coaches and the players and all that. So it just depends what your involvement is. Then it's tougher, huh? Is there um, something at, in Utah that, you built, that you're most proud of? Well, I think the, the, the Utah program is just a, we rebuilt the whole culture. There was no culture there, none. Mm-hmm. So we took it step by step to rebuild the culture and and build a culture that would last there. Mm-hmm. And how did you do, how do you do that? How do you? Well, you, you have a system, mm-hmm. and you stay with the system. Mm-hmm. You know, so our system was okay. We were going to build from 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 return missionaries, mm-hmm. the Polynesian culture, mm-hmm. the, the the speed level from certain areas. 
cross country. Then we were going to recruit some kids who football first guys, mm-hmm. education second guys, mm-hmm. and the guys. That, and so he, that's where he went to the south, took kids out of Mississippi, some out of Florida, but mostly those Mississippi kids mm-hmm. because they're born and raised on football. Where did the idea come to, to build around the Polynesian culture or to get Polynesian? Well, it probably started with me and when I was coaching junior college in, mm-hmm. in 19, whatever, 67 or 68, I forget, because mm-hmm. that was the first. So we brought four kids from the islands to our junior college. And, and, mm-hmm. and um, they were unique because they were, they were great leaders for our team. They brought a personality to our team. And they were they added to our culture of what we were doing, and, mm-hmm. and of course we had great success. Um, and those kids added to what what we were doing, and then, and then my college roommate was from the islands, and then we talked a lot about that that culture at that mm-hmm. time. What about the rivalry? When you look back, do you have a favorite moment from the rivalry? I think that first time we beat them down there in Provo. Yeah, yeah. That, was a, that was a big turning point in Utah's football program because that had been 21 years, and we beat them with that field goal down there, and that was really, that's really when that series really began, you know, mm-hmm. when, when, so when we could win down there mm-hmm. and uh, turn the tables, and that, after that, after that game, it's on, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, so then it's... Was it fun to be part of that? Oh, yeah, it was great because yeah. I could tell when we got off that bus that day we were going to win because the way the players got off the bus and the way the bus driver drove the bus. Yes. Because, like, people kept trying to stop him at certain places and he'd drive right over the curb and just keep going. I just say, hey, dude, just keep going. Don't worry about these people, you know? <laughs> yeah. And when the players got off the bus, they didn't walk off the They ran off the bus. Mm-hmm. So I could so they they were really ready, you know? Yeah. Time was mm-hmm. right for this team. Mm-hmm. And do you? Is there anything you regret doing at Utah? Do you wish you'd done differently? Oh sure. Any, there's probably four or five games there that we we should have won. Mm-hmm. You know where you look back. And, do they still bother you all this time later? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah, they were critical. They're, they're critical in your career. You know, mm-hmm. and um, so some were bad officiating. Some were bad play calls. Some were players' mistakes. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, just just yeah. But. Regardless of whose responsibility is, go back to the head coach. It's his, it's yeah. your responsibility to uh, to make sure that it's done correctly. How hard is it to get over how you exited Utah? There were a lot of people who thought you didn't deserve to go out like that. Well, right? I so didn't, that was hard. Obviously, yeah. I didn't because I had a really good team. Mm-hmm. You know that that team that team that that they got, I got fired on. We could have won nine games easily if I had had a good backup tailback, which Chris Hill took away from us because we had the backup tailback. They wouldn't let him all of a sudden, the middle of summer, they decided he couldn't play. So then the next tailback I had was not quality guy. But in July, it's too late to get another quality guy. Yeah. And so then it kind of changed philosophies in the middle of the year because we had to win with the quarterback. Yeah. And that's when he, the quarterback had to be better and we had to be... So anyways, but but the talent level yeah. was really there you know what I mean so so but you know that's uh, so what how how hard was it to get over it not too hard you know once you've got like 14 years developing a, a culture you know and so 
And then you kind of all of a sudden you're not good enough anymore. To, yeah. So so you know. and you know that intellectually, but then to feel it emotionally is a different. Yeah, well, emotionally because you have your whole you have your whole heart and soul in what you've done. Yeah, and you've built this. One of the things you sort of preached up there was family. Oh yeah. yeah. And Absolutely. and now your family's telling you. Yeah, There's a door. Yeah, yeah they, they divorced <laughs> don't, me. Don't come to Thanksgiving dinner, right? Yeah, they, yeah. So, <laughs> they divorced you, but yeah. you weren't really done coaching. No. Well, they, I, think they, I think they thought, because they offered me some good packages, you know, mm-hmm. to make it easier, mm-hmm. you know. But then I couldn't really, if I took what they offered, I couldn't look the players or the assistant coaches in the eye and say, I took the easy way out. And so I said, well, if you if you don't want me here, you're at the fireman because I'm not going to quit. So, <laughs> and I'm not going to retire. So, yeah. so take your choice. And, and they did. And they did, yeah. It's always so fun to catch up with uh, Coach Ron McBride. He's so fun. I could talk to him for hours, uh, and I almost did. <laughs> well, he is one of those guys you can put a quarter in, and he will talk and talk and talk. He's got He's, a lot of great stories. So. That's the thing. Great stories, and you think you've heard them all, and you have not. So uh, we're going to probably catch up with him another time during the season and in a different capacity. So I'm super excited about uh, some of the stuff we have planned. Uh, and, you know, also I mean, one of the things we'd like to add is uh, have our listeners uh, submit questions each week. And we have a, a address, uteinsiders at deseretnews.com. Send us your questions, and we'll try to get them answered on the next podcast and make that a weekly segment. Yeah. Appreciate it. You can ask something of us, or you can ask us to ask athlete or coach questions. So. We can do all of the above. If they ask us, we can come up with some pretty good answers, can't we? Well, it depends on what they ask. That's a good point. You can ask me. I, you can follow me on Instagram, AD on Sports, same on Twitter, at AD on Sports, where I document all of Dirk's adventures as a sports reporter. Yes, there's Coming even, today is his multimedia debut. Yeah, it's everywhere. So get it as fast as you can. Just a reminder, <laughs> speaking of everywhere, you can get this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, DeseretNews.com. And please subscribe. Tell your friends all about it. We'd like to make some money doing this. So, you know, so we need more followers, right, Amy? <laughs> and that's the best way for us to make money. If you want to support us, give us a review, rate us, um, share us. It's, and it's free. And if, you don't know how, if you're listening to this and you have friends who don't know how to use podcasts, borrow their phone upload our podcast and remember it's not about the money amy right we do it because we love it it's about the money for me no, it's, just it's the love of good journalism <laughs> uh, you can catch us on deseretnews.com or stories uh we have uh, tons of stuff on the utes each week and really good talented writers at the deseret news so please uh, subscribe and jump on and like you said get on our website for free and read all you want so until next time we'll see you then